us. I'm going to read uh, from John chapter 15 and verse 26, uh, and then moving on into chapter 16 uh, to verse 15. So John chapter 15 uh, and verse 26. When the counsellor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is speaking here. All this I have told you, so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now... I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Father will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me. Thanks be to God for his word. Father, thank you for our brother Philip, uh, and as he comes now to speak to us, we pray that you will inspire him, Lord, that his words would be your words, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Colin. Hello, everyone. So, yeah, for the last few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus' words <coughs> in John's Gospel, that he spoke to the disciples before his arrest, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. 
They're often called the farewell discourses. And an important aspect of that is that Jesus has emphasized, we've heard from Dan, the need for his followers to obey his commands. Especially, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. Now, in the farewell discourses, he does mention the need to love one another as a new command, which is very important. But we know from the scripture that he spoke further in command to his disciples. And in particular, I want to highlight what's called the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel, what Jesus spoke after his crucifixion and resurrection, and I think perhaps just before he went ascended to heaven. Do you know it by heart? You will soon. Okay, let's see it on the screen. Let's read this together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now let's read it again. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. One last time. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now! You know these commands by heart, as you probably did already, many of you. What has it got to do with the passage that Collins just read to us? I contend it has everything to do with that passage because reading Jesus' words, I think, is a way that Jesus is explaining to us how the Great Commission that we've just learned by heart comes about. What I think Jesus is doing here and elsewhere in the farewell discourse is equipping his disciples and us, his followers, to understand and obey this crucial command among the others. And here's the key lesson. If you go to sleep now, just remember this. To obey Jesus' commands, we need the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own strength, as Colin showed us with the pot. He couldn't have made that in his own strength either. So yeah, to obey Jesus' commands, we need the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own strength. What we're going to do then is we're going to look at this Great Commission line by line and see how it links in to what Jesus tells us in John. So next slide. The first line, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
In Matthew's verse, and Jesus asserts this, but in John he explains it. He says this, the Holy Spirit is going to show the world that the prince of this world now stands condemned. That's the devil. We know human beings were created in God's image, maintaining, we were supposed to maintain, our gentle authority over the creation and caring for it. Adam and Eve, as we know, fell for Satan's lies, and they disobeyed God in the garden. They ceded their authority to him. He became the prince of this world, which humanity was supposed to be. Jesus is the one who's taken back that authority. He defeated Satan by his sacrificial death on the cross as the only one true righteous human being. But that authority he gives to us, his followers, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to exert that authority in our prayers, for example, when we pray in the spiritual or the physical, for deliverance, for healing, Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will give it. I will do it. There is power. You remember the song? There is power in the name of Jesus. Anyone like the chorus? There is power in the name of Jesus. Thanks to his authority he gained on the cross. Jesus also tells us this, the Holy Spirit will convict the world about righteousness because I'm going to the Father. He showed the perfect example of that righteousness in his life and his willingness to suffer death on the cross for us all. And that's why death could not hold him, so he ascended to the Father's right hand. We know elsewhere in Philippians 2, Paul wrote that because of Jesus' obedience, even to death on the cross, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That underlines Jesus' authority in the wake of his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, that exaltation that Paul mentions. His obedience to the Father as a servant, the servanthood he'd just shown the disciples when he washed their feet, you'll remember Jennifer telling us about that, led to his exaltation above all things. Indeed, that Jesus' authority is so great that he can talk about the advocate. It's interesting, Colin's version says counselor, mine says advocate, but they both mean roughly the same. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, he says, I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. I will send. Jesus has command of the Holy Spirit. Such is his authority. And this aspect of authority over the Holy Spirit, as much as the vision of Jesus, I believe, on the road to Damascus, led Paul to, ch to change from being the strong opponent and persecutor of Christians to being their greatest advocate. And that brings us to the second phase of the Great Commission. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. This is scary stuff, isn't it? The disciples, when they were told this command, and I think ourselves, when we consider Christian mission, they must have thought, blimey, how do we make disciples? Who's going to listen to us? Why don't they just laugh? Again, Jesus assures us in John that we shall not be alone 
in obeying his commands. He says of the Holy Spirit, he will testify about me and you also must testify for you've been with me from the beginning. Now, not everyone may feel comfortable standing up here and preaching, but we can all tell Jesus, tell others what Jesus has done in our lives. That's what testimony means. It's hard for someone to contradict what you've experienced yourself. Indeed, as Peter wrote, we are always supposed to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who, gives you the re- who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 1 Peter 3:15. Yes, yeah, so a testify means to give to bear witness as in a court of law of what we know. And the Holy Spirit is therefore called the advocate, the counsel for the defense in court. He's a helper, a comforter, an advisor, a counselor. Jesus says in Mark 13:11, he's talking about his disciples being on trial. He says, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time. It is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit can be relied on to give us the right words at the right time when we're speaking to someone about Jesus. And besides this empowerment by the Holy Spirit, Jesus also is telling us to support one another. As I have loved you, he says, you must love one another. And that means that we can be together and pray together for this task of helping others to know Jesus. Now, I know a lot of this talk is addressed to believers. Jesus' commands were addressed to his disciples. But even if you're listening on the screen in the room and you're still not sure, you're still seeking after faith today, I think there's an important message, there's an appeal to your heart in what Jesus is trying to convey, is conveying here. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin because people do not believe in me. And what I think this implies is that the Holy Spirit is making a sort of preparation for you, for those who don't know Jesus now, to respond to the gospel if they choose to do so. Because look, God has endowed us all with a conscience, right? Everyone has a conscience. We sense much of what we do is wrong or what we do when we do something wrong. And I can witness that this troubled me even before I became a Christian. And when I'd not found God, I had this sense of something missing in my life, a God-shaped hole, as it's often called. Maybe some of you feel like that too. I think a passage that may speak to you is in Revelation. Jesus says this, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. It's through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is making his appeal to your heart to follow him. Will you respond? Will you open the door to him? In the memorable words of St. Augustine about God, he said, you stir man to take pleasure in praising you because you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. Maybe your heart is restless today 
You hear the gentle knocking of the Lord by his Holy Spirit, but only you can open the door. This is all the more reason for those of us who are Christians to speak out our testimony. I ask you to consider the case of C.S. Lewis, who I'm sure you've all heard of. He's remembered as a famous Christian, not only for the Narnia stories, but his wonderful books of faith, Mere Christianity, The Screwtape Letters, What Christians Believe, and many more. But he was a convinced atheist for many years. His conversion was not an easy process. He said, I was brought into Christianity like a prodigal, kicking, struggling, resentful, darting my eyes in every direction for a chance to escape. But Lewis did come to faith, and that was through the testimony of his friends, especially J.R.R. Tolkien, who's famous as the author of Lord of the Rings, and he's a convinced Catholic Christian. Tolkien was a professor of English literature and language, Oxford. Yeah, professors do do something useful sometimes. <laughs> to quote J. John, Tolkien became close friends with fellow professor C.S. Lewis and over the course of many conversations encouraged Lewis to shift from atheism to a strong Christian faith. So Tolkien's testimony, perhaps over a beer in the Eagle and Child pub, perhaps in a walk by the river, spoke to Lewis's heart by the Holy Spirit and brought into faith, as Jesus suggests, an amazing fruit from that conversations those conversations. That's an amazing encouragement for us to testify, to go and make disciples. Maybe some of you have relatives or friends who are kicking and struggling against the gospel, or maybe you yourself are kicking and struggling at this time. Tolkien and Lewis, though, show us that the road to faith is always open in the power of the Holy Spirit, and often through the word of Christian testimony. Before we move on from this point, notice Jesus is also warning his followers in what Colin wrote that making disciples is not going to be easy. He says, they'll put you out of the synagogue. The time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. We may not face such persecution in this country, but we may face ridicule for our faith. Even here in some professions, it's risky to talk about faith, but the Holy Spirit is there to defend us. But especially as your Open Doors representative, I just want to remind you the persecution of Christians is real around the world. The disciples listening to Jesus were themselves martyred, we believe, other than John himself who was imprisoned on an island, prison camp. And the ultimate testimony is indeed that of a martyr, as was the case for many Christians as well in the early church. And also today we need to pray for our persecuted brethren, that their suffering may ease, but that we should also take lessons from their courage and fortitude. They go. They do make disciples, but they suffer for it. I'd encourage you to uh, subscribe to the Open Doors daily prayer message, wonderful stories of courage, but also suffering. I've heard recently, for instance, a Hindu religious teacher urged his followers to behead Christ those Christians who come for conversion. And in Nigeria, the worship service at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Kakaudaji was interrupted by attackers who killed one person and took 60 people hostage. Can you imagine that happening here? They come storming in now. 
Next phrase. It speeds up. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is the third phrase of the Great Commission. In John, Jesus reminds us again and again that he is equal, albeit willingly subordinate to the Father, to God the Father. And in that passage today, we've seen him again and again saying things like, they have known, not known the Father or me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And earlier in the gospel, he says, memorably, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And again, we've seen that the Holy Spirit obeys Jesus' commands. Some would argue that the Trinity is just something that the theologians invented hundreds of years later when they were writing the creeds and trying to sort out what Christianity was all about. But Jesus' words tell completely the opposite story, and so much of the New Testament does too. Jesus was totally aware not only of his relation to God the Father, but also God the Spirit. The baptism of Jesus, we mentions here that we should be baptized, is also a case where the three members of the Trinity are mentioned. Matthew 3, 16, 17 says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Both the Father and the Spirit blessed Jesus as he took that crucial step of baptism in his mission. And hence, why he stresses in the Great Commission that people need to be baptized to become his followers. Paul wrote, we were all baptized by one spirit to form one body. And it's at the point of baptism that people get persecuted most severely in areas like the Middle East or South Asia because of the total commitment to Jesus as Savior and Lord that baptism shows, where the Holy Spirit descends and they make a total commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. The penultimate phrase of the Great Commission, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Again, we can think of Colin and his pot. The Holy Spirit is there to help us in this teaching. We heard it said, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and will tell you what is yet to come. Also, Jesus said, you must testify about me. He will testify about me. And it is from me that he, the Holy Spirit, will receive what he will make known to you. So, yeah, when we speak about Jesus and the way of life that he commands, the Spirit is our guide. He will ensure that we pass on the truth about Jesus, about his commands, and about the future. And the person who hears, it helps them to internalize what Jesus is saying that we may pass on. This makes me think of the Alpha Course, how it helps people to know Jesus, understand the way of life he commands as the Holy Spirit instructs them. And preaching at its best should also teach people to obey Jesus' commands. So yeah, we all need as Christians to teach one another to obey Jesus' commands. And words are important, but we also teach each other when we act 
in the way that Jesus did, when we show the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Can you speak them out? Love? Peace? Forbearance? Kindness? Goodness? Faithfulness? Gentleness? And self-control. I'll just repeat. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we show those, then we are indeed teaching them to obey commands, anyone who observes. Or when we care for the poor and needy. Or, and how much do we discredit the Lord when we behave like the world does and don't do these things? So finally, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In the Great Commission, Jesus doesn't expand on how he can always be with his disciples and us his followers, but he does here. He says this, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. What does he mean by going away was the path of crucifixion, resurrection and ascension to heaven. And it was only when those had happened that the Holy Spirit could be sent on the day of Pentecost. And that Holy Spirit remains with us, Jesus' followers. It brings his, he brings Jesus' presence to us as he promised earlier. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. He brings Jesus into our lives. So as I close, now we know what it is to obey Jesus' commands. And we know that he is with us always by his Holy Spirit. How do you feel? If you're a Christian here today, do you feel more empowered to do Jesus' will? Do you feel empowered to live the life Jesus is calling you by the Holy Spirit? Do you feel empowered to testify and teach that others may be blessed by becoming Jesus' disciples? Or, if you haven't yet committed your life to Jesus, do you feel the call of the Holy Spirit to come to him, to acknowledge his eternal authority, to be baptized and obey his commands, to know the peace that only Jesus can give by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart? That's my prayer for you today, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Going to hand over to the band. Amen.